We plan to talk through the issues faced by startup founders and the people close to them. That overused phrase, work-life balance. It is an amazingly focusing time. This is what we do, you know, aside from our families, this is our whole work life. I am also known as Dr. Wine. or her significant other would both get value from the episode. So how come you logged into Zencaster as not 40? Because I'm not 40. And guess who is? Well, not yet, technically. Yeah. <laughs> By the time this podcast goes live, you will be 40 years old. How does this that feel? This podcast goes live on my birthday. Oh, that's right. Happy birthday. Yeah. Hey, thanks. How does it feel? It's really a mixed bag. You know, I, I think a lot of my friends have had like 40 and fabulous parties. And I know there's a lot of kind of hype to embrace being 40. And then I think there's also hype the other direction. Like there's hype to be like, oh my God, you're turning 40. Are you okay? So I think I'm having both reactions simultaneously. Yeah, I can see that. I feel like there, I mean, we you know we're going to dive into that today, right? It's like, there are a lot of things to be happy about, thankful for. I think a lot of people in their 40s um, or when they're 40, they kind of have arrived or started to arrive or think they've arrived. And then there's also a bunch of negatives that seem to come with it in terms of aging and having aging parents and having aging siblings. And I mean, just all the, the chaos that comes with it. Yeah, I think it's really good to talk about because I, especially among our friends, like obviously we hang out with a lot of entrepreneurs. We hang out with a lot of really successful people who reach this point in their lives. And I, I think it's really common for people to feel a little bit lost. And for many of us, it's unexpected because by all of these outside metrics, right? I have a PhD. I have a successful business. I have a successful practice. I have a beautiful family, blah, blah, blah. I drive a cool car. But none of those outside metrics, of course, totally account for what it feels like on the inside. And I think 40 is a is an uncomfortable spot for many folks for reasons that have nothing to do with how successful or what they've accomplished. Yeah. And so stuff we're going to talk about today, I think we have a, we have founder friends who are right around 40, let's say 36 to 45. And I think this will totally probably ring a bell with them. And if not, it will in a year or two. I think a lot of this stuff will be feel familiar or will be kind of a, a preview of what's to come soon. But I think even if you're in, let's say you're like 28, 29, and you're kind of listening to what sounds like two old folks talk about how, uh, you know, the good old days and stuff. I, I think the value you can get out of this episode is like a heads up of what's to come, you know, both the good and the bad. And obviously our experience is not identical to what everyone else will feel, but there are these, these general things that start to come up and these general feelings, you know, again, both good and bad that I think translate to a lot of people. And in fact, there's, there, you know, there's been a, many studies, but we, we have a study we'll discuss today in the context of this that talks about things that you, you know, should expect to feel um, if you're kind of a kind of relatively normal person as you enter into that, de that 40 year old decade. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is a period of life that is often associated with a 
significant decrease in life satisfaction. So when people are asked, you know, how, how happy are you? How satisfied are you with your life? This is the lowest point of life is kind of that, that 38 to 48 range, which is a bummer for me, I think. Yeah, I was surprised by that. There's an article in Psychology Today called Miserable and Middle-Aged? Question mark Is something wrong with you? And there was a bunch of study with, what, a half a million people in the U.S. and Europe. And it does look like the trough is, it depends on which country you're in, but it's kind of like in the mid-40s, I believe. And it, it starts getting better right around the time you hit 50, it looks like, as you as you ease into the 50s and it gets better. And then by the time you're heading into your 60s, it really picks back up and you're, you know, at least in this study, you're as happy as you had been, you know, 15 years prior. So that's kind of a downer. I know. Bummer, huh? Yeah, it really is. I think I also resonated with this post that Brene Brown put on her blog. I don't know. I came across it a couple of months ago. My friend Elena uh, shared it on Facebook. But Brene describes midlife or she's sort of taking issue with this term midlife crisis because the word crisis, of course, at least especially within psychological circles, but more generally implies like a significant event that's a big spike or causes a huge amount of stress, but is not ongoing, right? Is not chronic that a crisis is a a short period of time. And she takes issue with that and kind of describes midlife as an unraveling, like this, slow moving sense of in some ways kind of losing your footing in your life and feeling like you're coming apart and then hopefully being remade at the end of that phase. But that this phase of midlife is is really a very disorienting time for many people. Totally. And I think each of us has our experience as we go through our teens and then our college years and then our you know, late 20s, 30s, 40s, and et cetera. And I have kind of a mental model of how I felt and and what I was feeling during those times. And when I finally kind of came into who I, you know, who I am today and finally had the confidence to kind of be who I was and not worry what other people cared about. And that that took me a long time to to figure all that out. It was probably late 20s, early 30s, where I finally was just like, you know what? I like playing tabletop games. I like playing Dungeons and Dragons and I like to play the guitar, but I'm not that good at it. And I'm going to be okay with all these things, you know? And it just, it was like, I stopped hiding these, these hobbies or these, you know, these thoughts. And those are just trivial examples, but it, it kind of felt like I could be who I was. And I think that thinking age is, is kind of just a number is a, is a fallacy, right? Because I think a, each of us goes through shifts as we get older. And I think that there's also shared experience as we get older that, you know, not everyone's going to have, but that a lot of people are going to feel in their 20s, 30s, 40s and, and feel differently. And so that's really what we're here to talk about today. And it's some of it's good and some of it's bad, right? It's not all either, all, all one way, I think. It never is all one way. Yeah. I've been thinking back about my last few benchmark birthdays and I remember turning 20 And when I turned 20, I was studying abroad in Ghana. And so I was in Africa. I had been in Africa for about a month. And I was really having this very quintessential young adult, like the world is available to me. And I'm finally old enough to go out there and see what's going on. And I was just like 
ravenous with information and wanted to learn everything and do everything and go everywhere and full of energy and life. And of course, there were there were hard parts about being 22. I didn't have really have any clue who I was. I was still forming my identity. But at 20, I was in the middle of this big adventure. And then at 30, we were living in Boston. Our oldest son was about two. I had finished my PhD. I was accepted into this very elite postdoc program. So I, I really had like arrived at this first benchmark professionally. I'd sort of done all of the steps of graduate school and was really well poised to launch into a terrific career. And I'd sort of climbed all of the mountains that I'd attempted at that point. And so 40 feels really different because I don't feel I'm not in the middle of a huge adventure and I'm not at the pinnacle of a particular mountain that, you know, that I'd worked 10 years to finish that PhD. Like I'm not, I'm not in any of those sort of nice, neat boxes right now. Yeah. And that, that's the thing, right? Is when you're in, I don't know, when you're 10, let's say you're in school and that's kind of the plan and you're going to probably have a hobby or you're going to play some sports. And then when you're in high school, you're in school, you after high school, you're either going to get a job or you're going to uh, go to college. After you get out of college, you're probably going to get a job. I mean, there, this stuff is just all planned out for you until you hit whatever it is, 22, 23. And then maybe, well, maybe you go to grad school then, right? And you spend three, two, three, four years there. And so you come out of school and suddenly it's like, oh, the, everything's been planned for me though, thus far. It's almost like having bumpers, you know, or having rails where you're kind of driving on the things. And yes, there's hard work and there's stress and there's things. But I've found that having the freedom to kind of do anything you want can be really disorienting and it can be really, can make things difficult, right? The paradox of choice. We talked just, you know, what, 10 episodes ago about how hard it was to decide where to live because we can live anywhere. And that actually made it a really difficult, a really difficult decision. Same thing happens in life. As you get older, there's less and less that is spelled out for you. And it's kind of like, well, if I'm unhappy with my job, maybe I should change it. Well, but what would I do? I could become anything. And I think a lot of people struggle under that weight and maybe never make the change that would actually make them happy because it's just a hard decision to just decide to up and leave a career. Even if you've only been working in it five years, seven years, you know, it doesn't sound like a long time, but you can be a senior developer by that time, or you can be like a mid-level manager, or you may have worked all that time and really have built yourself up into a point where I kind of, quote unquote, can't leave my job because I wouldn't want to go back to being entry level or I couldn't afford to because I bought this house and I have this mortgage and, and that kind of stuff. So I think as you enter into your 30s and, and get here, it's like you really have to start showing up, you know, and you really have to start making some hard life decisions that are not always easy and not always clear. I think one of the things I'm really aware of right now, which relates to what you're saying, is that there are no external benchmarks for me. And this is a founder problem, all you entrepreneurs out there. So if I was still an academic, I would be right about tenured right now or, you know, applying for that last level of tenure. And if I was still in a traditional clinical practice, maybe I'd be expanding to a second office or I'd hire that third postdoc. Like there, there are these external measures of growth if you stay in a traditional career track. And since I've been working on Zen Founder, like there's not, there, there's no external force to say, yes, you've done a good job. Good job, 40-year-old. Or, or no, you need to keep hustling because what you've done isn't good enough. 
there are a hundred people could look at my business and say thumbs up or thumbs down or somewhere in the middle. So there's no external rubric. And so there's, there's not that simple, clean, neat way to do self-reflection in a, in a bi-directional unit. Like you can't say yes or no, you can't say good or bad. It has to be more nuanced and it has to come much more from inside of you and your sense of your life. Your, my sense of my own satisfaction has to be very much looked at through the lens of what I value and what I want and the cost benefit trades that I make all the time. I think that's a really good point. And I think saying it's a founder problem drives home how much harder it is even, you know, at any age probably to be an entrepreneur than to be a salaried person who basically has that ladder worked out. I mean, things were really clear to me. Now, I hated my job, many of my jobs actually, when I was salaried, (laughs) not all of them, but many of them. But I at least stuff was mapped out. It was kind of like, well, you go from here and then you can manage or you go from here and then you become a senior and then you become a, you know, a distinguished. And there were these career tracks, so to speak. And I don't know if it's everyone, but certainly my personality works really well, really well when there are were guideposts and there are goals to achieve and there are milestones to hit and there is some external force that you're talking about. That's actually the way I function optimally. It's the way I was raised. And so undoing that, which I have completely undone that basically, and becoming much more of an internal motivator to where I internally set my own goals and I internally pat myself on the back and I internally try to celebrate the wins has been a decade or more long process of feeling okay without someone else saying, yes, here, now you're a senior this, or now here's a raise and a promotion. Well, in in preparation for this conversation, and I think some of these themes will, will continue to come up in the rest of our conversation, but I jotted down a couple of reflections, <laughs> eight or nine reflections on being 40 that, I, you know, do you want to jump into those? I think those might be a good way to kind of frame our, our conversation. And you're older than me, so you are an expert at being 40 plus. So y- you can weigh in on this too. Not 40, while technically true, does not capture the spirit of the conversation. <laughs> so, so the first reflection you wrote down, which is something that you and I have been saying to each other for what, two years now, three years, is the grownups are not coming. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I... I think this is a compound experience that is turning 40 plus, you know, realizing that my dad is real close to the end of his life. And so there's this, this double whammy of realization that like, I am the decider. I am the one with whom the buck stops. Like there's no one coming to help. There's no one coming to save me. And I mean, I've been a grown-up for a long time. I've lived on my own. I've been financially independent for a long, since I was 18. But there's something about this age where it feels like there are fewer people to look to. I also think that I have fewer mentors or, you know, people with more life experience around me right now, which, you know, maybe something for me to think about in terms of like pursuing more mentorship or something like that. But I'm like acutely aware of the reality that like no one is coming to bail me out. Like if I make bad choices in my business or in my life, like it is, it is absolutely on me. And there's no, there's no benign grown up that's going to be like, it's okay, kid, you get to try again. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting point you make about not having like mentors or like people to look up to, because I think that gets hard. I feel like that gets harder as we get older, but also a little bit more accomplished. 
and there are just fewer and fewer people that are ahead of you. There's always people that, you know, don't get me wrong, there's always people that are ahead of you, but those people become A, a smaller pool, and B, they're more and more busy because they're more successful. And it's like they have a bunch of stuff going on. And I, I don't know, there's a lot of, I just remember when I was 23, 22, just out of college, I did have mentors and it was easy to find them and they guided me and showed me stuff, you know, and these days it's like, yes, of course there are people out there that, that know more than I do about a lot of things, but do they have the time and willingness to mentor a, a 43 year old who's kind of, who's mid career. And I don't know, it just, it, it does, it adds complexities. These are not excuses, but it's definitely a different story than when, than when I was younger. And the expectation is that w- you're competent, like that you can do things, that you can run things by yourself. And that's not usually the expectation of most 25-year-olds or even 30s, but getting into 40 plus, like you're supposed to have it figured out enough that no one is going to be eager to look over your shoulder or come bail you out. Yeah. And that's, I think that's where this grown-ups are coming thing. I mean, you and I have said it to each other when there've been family issues where it's like, you just up and pick up and hop on a plane to like fly out to be with somebody in the hospital. And it's like, yeah, there, there really isn't anybody else at this point who's able to do this. Or we've had, you know, struggles with one of our kids and in school and just over and over dealing with this. And there's just no one who, there's no one who's come in and fixed it. Right. We can go to all the doctors. We can talk to the grandparents. We can like resource ourselves, but we are the deciders, period. And especially in my extended family, like I'm the matriarch. Like I am the boss girl, which I'm up to, but then sometimes existentially it's like, how did that happen? How is there like no other person in charge over me who's got a better life situation and is more grounded and well and resourced? But there's not. So it's like suddenly, suddenly I'm driving this plane. I better get used to being in charge, you know? And that's the thing as I think that transition has, you know, literally a lot of these transitions have just happened in the past gradually over the past several years. And so it's finally a realization of like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's here. Now we need to get used to it. And now I can imagine in two, three, four years being like, yes, that is who I am. That is my role. And this is how I handle it. But it's still a getting used to it in the getting used to a phase right now. Another thing that you were reflecting on, you said time is more precious than it has ever been before. What do you mean by that? I feel like my minutes are spent in really important things. That's one part of it. And and that is not because I'm so important, because the ages of our kids are so important. The way that we handle conflict, the way that we talk to them about their day, like I feel like we are just in this crux of childhood with them that I feel a lot of, I guess, just a really deep awareness of all these minutes mattering so much in terms of the investment in who they're becoming. Like when they're teenagers, obviously time is still important, but it it just functions differently. But right now they're soaking up everything that we say and do. And then so I'm really aware of how time is very precious. And I, I know that at other points in my life, I've felt really busy and I don't feel busy now, but I do feel like time is my most precious resource. You know, I've got more money than time. I've got more energy than time. And so those decisions about what I'm going to give myself to and what sacrifices I will make to show up as something like time is just it's so incredibly valuable. And I'm, I'm so careful with it now in a way that I, I haven't had to be before. 
Yeah, that's been a good reminder for me about having time and and especially the impact on the kids. You know, that's been a big realization, not even a realization, because I've had it in mind all the time since the kids were born. And, you know, I've never regretted all the, the time I took off in the early days of the kids to hang out with them. But then there was a time where I was growing companies and obviously didn't spend as much time with them. I was never the the guy who was, you know, on the road all the time or anything like that. I mean, I, I would say I spend more time than the average father does with his kids. But especially over the past year, it has become definitely a slowed down pace for me, definitely. And I think you as well. And I don't feel bad about that. I feel like I don't know that I need to produce some super important, you know, big project here in the next six to 12 months. Maybe that is the the big project is just being with the kids as they're, you know, they're eight and 12. And these are, these are crucial times. And within, you know, five or six years, one of them will be out to college. And within 10 years, they'll all be out to college. And that puts a, that's a really finite time frame, right? And it means that means that we can, I can like justify not working that much for a few years to really solidify this time in in their minds. Yeah. And I think about it the other way too, like we don't have many years with our parents Mm -hmm. and, you know, I just, I think that is part of the 40 thing is this like awareness of your, the fact that you're going to die, this awareness of your mortality and you know, whatever. I feel like I've lived there in, in a lot of ways, but now our parents are starting to really show some wear and tear with age. So time with them is, is also precious on that end. Okay, number three, reflection. I'm not done becoming who I am. And I think this, this reflection helps me to feel comforted in the sense that like, I'm still learning a lot. There's still new skills that I'm learning. You know, I can add new hobbies. I can learn new things. Like I don't feel grown up in the, in the finality of like, now I'm grown up, I'm done, I'm done cooking. I I still feel like there's a lot of freedom and flexibility to continue to become and iterate and change and pivot and emerge as a human being. Now the, the shadow side of that feeling is the truth is that I thought I would have had like more figured out by now. I think because I, like many of you who are listening to this, left a traditional career trajectory to do something that's non-traditional, that's, you know, entrepreneurial, like we were talking about in the beginning of the conversation, I don't feel this stability like I see in some of my friends. Like one of my closest friends, Carrie, is a physician and she's slowly kind of climbed the ranks through her medical organization and through her body of research. And now she's established as an expert in a field. And, you know, she's about my age. And my other friend, Megan, is a psychologist at the VA. And now she's a leader and she's she's risen the ranks and it's clear to see her expertise. And I don't feel quite like that. I still feel like I might leave Zen founder and stop being a psychologist and go to medical school or art school or like, who knows? I I don't feel that security of like, this is my life's work that I will do always and forever in this path. Yeah. And I, you know, I have to feel like that's partially a personality thing. There are certain folks who crave novelty more than others and certain folks where novelty is disorienting and stressful to them. And I've always felt like that founder mindset is 
moving from one thing to the next or tackling multiple things at once, which isn't something that a lot of a lot of people do. And it's not better. It's not better. And it's not worse. I, I don't think. I think it can be more stressful. But I also think that it's perhaps more can be more exciting to do leave the founder lifestyle. But you've you yourself have mentioned a study that was talking about how people who start companies tend to have higher levels of anxiety than most people. And folks who work for other people tend to have higher levels of depression than founders, you know, just in general, overall. And it makes sense, right? It's like, I know salaried folks who have... Pick your poison. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's figuring out what what works for you. So I I think it's a good reflection, right? I am not done becoming who I am. Some people at your age, maybe others, others haven't. The folks who are still kind of, I think, tackling that next project. Another reflection you had was number four, you say, I don't have time to be overly bothered by what others think. And I've heard a lot of people in midlife say this, like the, again, you kind of spend your twenties being very much shaped by people around you as you develop into your identity. And you also kind of choose who your tribe is. And then most people spend a lot of their thirties impressing other people with their accomplishments. And I think by 40, it's like the game is up. Like I am who I am and I, I don't have time to try to mold that too much according to, you know, the opinions of other people. Yeah. And I think this is a good lesson to come to at some point. I know some people come to it really early. I knew people in college who, who felt, I believe actually felt this way and I totally did not. And I was super envious of them. And then I think for others of us, it, it takes, it takes longer on, and on different fronts. I also just don't, it's not a lesson you learn one time. It's iterative and it is shaped by different factors in your life. I think I've recently been more connected to this lesson because of just realizing who our family is and who our kids are. And some of our kids are super successful in kind of traditional school and other people meet them and they're like, wow, what a great kid. You must have great parents. And then others of our kids, you meet them and you're like, whoa, you're kind of a interesting person and and you know it your your parents must be really a mess but I think it's that part of me at this point in my life that's like that kid is my kid and I don't care what you think and that sense of like it's a different process than it was when I was 20 but it's it's just a lesson I'm learning over again in a new way yeah your fifth reflection was it is easy to be lonely and hard to feel connected Yeah, I think because this is a season of life when all of the people my age are are also very, their lives are very full. It's also really hard to make new friends as we've experienced being in Minneapolis the last couple of years. People have their, you know, their group of friends that they go camping with and people have their group of friends that they do the Super Bowl party with and people have their group of friends in their neighborhood. And I think unless you work really hard at it or you just unintentionally find yourself in close proximity to some really awesome people, it can be really hard to work your way into new friendships at this point in life. And again, like me, many of my peers are heads down in family life or writing a book or growing a company or it's not a season of life where it is easy to be really connected to other people. Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing is to add another challenge for us is that we've moved a lot. And if you stay in one place for 15, 20 years, by the time you're 40, then you probably don't need to make new friends. 
And a lot of folks, as we moved to Fresno and then as we moved here, they have lived here for 15 or 20 years. And so they don't, they're not looking for new friends. And so us trying to break into social circles has been more challenging than, than we would like. Yeah. As we get older, I think that gets worse. Yeah, totally. And people are, like you said, they're busy with career or some people are busy with kids and, or busy with, you know, parents and there's just all kinds of, all kinds of stuff going on. Okay. I want to run through these last couple ones quickly because we're at 30 minutes and we're not trying to bore people with my, my old age drama. But I think another reflection that I have about being 40 is this realization that I am, I am so strong. Like by now in my life, like I've lived through some shit. Like I'm kind of a badass and I know it like I, in a, in a good way, I think like I know my own strength, something hard happens to me or in my family or to someone that I love. And I just have this deep experience of like, we are going to handle it. Like we will get through it. And I think that has been one of the great things about turning 40 is I just, I have a whole life. I have 40 years of experience of being strong and capable and competent. And I am just capitalizing on that because it's this sort of deep awareness that, that I have at this point that I'm, that's important to me. And I think another thing that I'm keenly aware of is that I feel a lot of gratitude and in some ways a deep contentment. Like I'm so grateful for the opportunities that, that I've had, that we've had as a family. I feel content in the sense that there's not a lot of undone things. I don't have a huge bucket list of things that I'm, will I ever get to Paris? It's like, no, I've been to Paris. I've been to the Great Wall of China. I've lived in Africa. I've been snorkeling. Like I've, I've done so many of the things that I have wanted to do. And I feel super grateful for that. But yet I'm, I'm not at a place in life where I would say I feel a lot of happiness. I still feel an edginess that is about being awake and alert and a little bit disgruntled and a little bit in upheaval. So that's kind of the emotional quality of this phase of life. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like feeling grateful and content, but maybe not as happy as you might want to be or might expect, or maybe not as happy as you've been in past phases of life. Two final thoughts. I think aging is is tricky. As a woman, I'm sure it is as a man too. But it's interesting. I think in your 20s, you capitalize on being being smart and competent, but also cute and attractive. And, And those are, you know, your physical self has a different way of being in the world. And it's interesting now at 40, I'm I kind of went through my closet and just I don't know. Like I took out a lot of the braid colors and a lot of the floral patterns, not because that's wrong for a 40 year old to wear, but it just doesn't feel like it fits who I am now. And I, more than at any other point in time, have to double down on my ability and on my intellect, on my sense of uniqueness and who I really am and not on the sort of external physical things. Because let's face it, like I'm in great shape. I feel great about how I look, but I'm not going to be the the cutest girl in the room anymore. That's that ship has sailed for me. And you know, maybe this is uncomfortable to talk about for some people, but I think I can mourn that or I can just embrace that and move on and wear clothes that I feel comfortable in and get on with being my badass self without feeling like I need to look like I'm 21 because that's not going to happen. 
I know the feeling. <laughs> the same way. <laughs> I saw a picture of myself I was digging through because we moved and I saw a picture of myself when I was in college and I was at, you know, literally the peak physical form I've ever been. I was when I was running track. Basically, we've talked about this, but I mean, we ran against people who later went into the Olympics. And I mean, we ran at a very, a very high levels of competition. And so I was, I was in really good shape and I thought, wow, who, who is that guy? <laughs> I wish I could get that back as I'm kind of hobbled over today. Cause like my lower back is all jacked up and I have like carpal, you know, bad things in my shoulders because of sitting all the time. I mean, it's just, it's, it's age, it's time. That's what it does. And you can fight against that or embrace it, I think. And I think part of embracing it is like, I'm taking very good care of my health. I do yoga. I work out like I'm very careful, but I'm not going to like go crazy about a little love handle here and there. And I don't know. Okay. Last thought. I think because of the pressures of middle age, of midlife, this is the easiest period of life to just have grumpiness as a default. And I think, you know, we have so much responsibility of caring for other people, whether it's children or family members, each other, whatever. Like, I feel like this is the phase of life that I've encountered where I have to really intentionally practice being playful and pursuing things that bring me joy because everyone around me is saying, you're responsible. I need this from you. You know, that's part of the, the grownups aren't coming. Like I am the grownup. I am the final decider. I am the lunch maker. I am the master of my business, but I still have to find joy and play or I will default into grump mode and those wrinkles will solidify in a bad way. Yeah, I can see that. It's like we said at the beginning, it's not all positives and not all negatives, but it's probably a few more negatives than it was five years ago. So it's figuring out how to embrace those and how to, to kind of deal with them and not let them derail your sense of self or derail your day-to-day -day joy of relationships and in life. And in saying that I'm still going to make time to go paddleboard or go do a yoga retreat or go do the things that really bring me joy. No one is going to say that for me. No one is going to give me permission. I have to give myself permission and make it happen, period. And that is what will sustain me to 50, I'm sure. Spoken like a true badass. All right, all you 40s out there and all you 20s and 30s and 50s and 60s too. Um, just so you know, we do try to produce some great content on the podcast. We are thinking about switching it up a little bit and maybe releasing two episodes a month instead of weekly. If you have a deep opinion about that, please reach out to us. It's sherry at zenfounder.com or zenfounder on Twitter or you know how to find me, just Google. We'd love to hear what you think and we will make decisions from there. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you again in a week or two. Thanks for listening to this episode of Zen Founder. Our theme song is A New Beginning by bensound.com, used under Creative Commons.